Support for Class Dismissed comes from School Status. School Status helps educators at every level take control of student data for increased outcomes and meaningful stakeholder engagement. Find out more at schoolstatus.com. You are listening to Class Dismissed, episode 111, and I'm your host, Nick Ortego. Why is a school district turning away offers to pay for students' meal debt? And a school shooting drill goes way too far. Stay with us. Dismissed is the podcast that inspires educators through story. Each week, we cover some of the hottest topics and news in the world of education. Plus, we hear from a guest with a bright idea for education that you can apply in your community. This week, should you be making home visits before the start of the school year? Our guest says absolutely, and she'll give us some tips on how she does it. Hello, everybody. Nick Ortego here, and I'm joined by teacher extraordinaire, Lissa Pruitt. Lissa, how are you doing? I'm great. Have you... Um, uh, you're not on Twitter. We talk about this all the time, right. so, so you're not going to know about this. But one of our guests... Do you remember Dina Legerman? Legerman. Is she an author? Was well, she, no. She was yeah. She was the one... We did, we've done two shows with her. Um, we did the one where she teaches the um, book... Gosh, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the book. The one... Um, <laughs> the dystopian book... Uh, 1984. She does 1984, but she like almost like turns her classroom into this like ni- oh. 1984 like environment. Yes, and, I remember this because I actually have not read 1984, so I do remember this. And then um, we also had her back on the show because she taught a book that she had never read to her class. Like basically, she read the book along with them as she was teaching it, oh. and she talked about her experience there. So, anyways, we've done two episodes with her. But um, I was on Twitter uh, just last week and. I see that um, there's like this thread on Twitter between her and Alyssa Milano. You know who Alyssa Milano is, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, who's the boss, right? Right. And then other stuff. Simone? Was that her name? No. Um, was it? No. Um, I don't know. Um, What'd you say, Simone? Simone, I thought was her name. We're going to have to oh, hang we're gonna on, have to stop. figure this out, Nick. What's, yeah, what's know, wrong I, with we, you? <laughs> Samantha Michelli, right? Samantha. Samantha Michelli. Uh, that was her I name. I was close. Um, but anyways, yeah, I was a big fan, although I couldn't remember her character's name you, back in the you're show. You're a real fan of her face. Um, <laughs> I mean, she's cute. But anyways, that's that's besides the point. This is um, a tweet thread between our guest and Alyssa Milano. And basically what happened was Dina was on Twitter. And she's like, hey, once again, I would like to use your powers for good last year with the help of, and she, it was another person on Twitter, and all of you, I was able to stock my classroom with necessities and so forth. Um, so it's just kind of like, you know, threw it out there. Like, hey, does anyone want to help me stop my class? And then um, Alyssa Milano grabbed it and was like, this is America, the richest nation in the world, not supplying our children with the classroom supplies they need to learn. Please help this teacher. I'm going to order up to $500 of supplies. Um, if you can help financially, please help spread the word. And it it was just a matter of time before she had like a bunch of Amazon gift cards and stuff that she posted wow. on Twitter. So that's I mean, awesome. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's good to see just kind of people rally behind her. But then again, like it's kind of sad that we're at this stage where someone's asking for something and and people are having to give it out of their own pocket. But I you know, know. so it kind of there's it's a double edged sword. But but it was nice to see um, everybody rally behind her, and it's neat to see like this celebrity, Samantha Michelli. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of. Am I saying that last name right? Was that? I don't know. Michelle, I think I think it was like part of the show. Like they would always like try to correct it, right? I don't know. Anyhow, 
So that was good to see. Um, what do you know? What's going on in the uh, teacher's lounge? Oh, my gosh. This is so annoying. Okay. Have you heard about what happened with the Wyoming Valley West High School, well, or the Wyoming Valley School District in Plymouth, Pennsylvania, about them threatening parents about lunch? Yeah. So lunch? I, I did see that. Like, basically, they... Were they shaming them or threatening? No, they were well, threatening they sent them. a letter. They yeah. sent they sent a letter back. I believe it was like around July 9th. They sent a letter to forty parents saying, "If you, if you don't, you know, you owe these lunch fines. Your child ordered a lunch without you sending the money, and you know we have close to twenty two thousand dollars in debt that has to be paid." And then they, I'm going to quote from the letter. It mm-hmm. says the, you know, the result may be your own child being taken from your home. And placed in foster care. Over if lunch. If you don't pay the debt. Over lunch debt. That's right. Which is, first off, I don't even know if they can do that. I don't think right. so. Uh, right. And that's second, when I read it, I was like, what? I'm sorry, come again? But, and, and, I, and I want to clarify, you said, what's the school district again? This is the Wyoming Valley West High School in Plymouth, Pennsylvania. That's that's what I wanted you to, to point out. Like, so the, even though it has Wyoming in the name, it's not oh, in yeah, Wyoming. Yeah, no, it's no. it's, it's in Plymouth, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Right, I didn't yeah. want any listeners to be confused about that. But go ahead. Yes. Um... So, so yeah, that, that, so they sent out this letter, of course, and then here comes, you know, a lot of media attention to this because this is crazy. Um, and here's the part that makes me so annoyed is that the county manager, David Pedri or Pedri, I'm not sure how to say his name, he said that five donors came forward to pay off the $22,000 debt and none of them are being accepted. Like their money is right. no and, and good so, there. As if this wasn't outrageous enough. Yes. They were like, hold my beer. Um, we'll make this more outrageous. It's just crazy. Like they like it got even to the point where like like calls weren't like one of them was like a celebrity and her personal assistant, you know, obviously they didn't want to be named, but she the personal assistant was saying, like, yeah, they wouldn't even return our calls. Todd Carmichael, he owns a coffee roasting company um that's pretty popular there. He stepped out uh, to to lend a hand and was rejected. So then he called the president of the school district, and I think his name is Joseph Mazur, and the president hung up on him. Like, they had a little heated conversation, and he hung up on him. So This is bizarre. It is bizarre. It is bizarre. So the county manager says, you know, it's like they're not wanting to like we're, you know, I'm not understanding where there are people stepping forward. These are good-hearted people, people that are invested in our community. They're coming out to help, and they want to send out this really, you know, bad letter, and then not allow yeah. anybody to step in and help. And so the the coffee guy, the Todd Carmichael, he was like, you know, it's almost like they're trying to. There, the, it's not about the money. It's about a moral lesson to these people mm-hmm. that live in this. Low socioeconomic area. They're all blue collar workers. It was an old coal mining part of town, and it's like they're trying to like beat them over the head well, and say you can't just accept people to help you. You gotta, you gotta do this yourself. You gotta pay for what you did, and it's crazy. I, I'm trying to rationalize. I'm trying to put myself like in their shoes no. to see if I can make any <laughs> sense of this. And, no. and the only thing that I can kind of make sense of is the fact that, all right, so there, there's no. 
reason they should have ever sent out the letter originally, threatening to take away children. That is beyond ridiculous. But I'm sure they had egg on their face for a few days, right? So they're probably on the defensive because of the fact that they did this and everyone's attacking them like you guys are ridiculous. And then all these people start coming forward with this money, and now they're just being stubborn. Like, right. I, I think that's really what it comes because down to. Because even, I mean, even the district put out a statement right after they sent out the letter saying, like, this has put us in a financial bind. We really need to recoup this debt. And then here you have people coming forward saying, like, okay, well, we'll help. And then they're like, no, we don't want your money. Like yeah, they're like, I, and that's and and you take the the coffee guy for example. This it's one thing if you're like, I don't want to take this celebrity's money who doesn't live in our community or whatever. It's not really even one thing, but that that is you could you know kind of reject it on that regard, I guess. But this coffee guy's local, like right? He like he's he, oh yeah, and he, actually he grew up um, in poverty, and he said you know he his mom did everything she could to make ends meet, and he said you know. I think of myself, I think of my mom, what she would have done if she had gotten this letter, because he knows that there were times that he ordered lunch and there was no money. So, I mean, he was like, this struck home with me, you know, like, I really am trying to help because I know what that's like. And I can't imagine what she would have done if she had gotten a letter like that. The, The county manager did send a letter to the school district saying foster care is something we utilize as a shield to help children. It's not a sword. We don't like foster care being utilized to try to terrorize individuals. So he's kind of pleading to the state department and everything saying, hey, like y'all got to regulate this because this is crazy. Right. Yeah, agreed there. Yeah, it makes me so angry. No, the the whole thing's infuriating, and and I think that's why we've seen the story. It started off small and actually like bubbled up. I think you're quoting from an NPR story, right? Right. So this has kind of become a much bigger thing. Um, it's infuriating, and and hopefully uh, they'll they'll sort it all out. But the the whole this whole lunch shaming stuff just has to stop in general. Like when we've we've talked about it, this is probably the fourth fifth time we've talked about I know. um you know lunch money being an issue and I I really kind of just wish that districts would start I know it's more money but like they would start finding the funds or whoever to fund lunch like in general across the board like the state yes. of, or is it New York City I think is already right. doing yeah across the board so um yeah that one. That one got me fired up, uh, but thanks for bringing it into the teacher's lounge. Um, I've got another one, and I guess this is just kind of the episode where we talk about ridiculous things <laughs> happening at school districts, because this one's out of California, and um, we're in a, I think it's a city, technically, it's the Raisin City Elementary School, but it's like looks to be like right outside of Fresno, um, but this is just bad judgment, and, it, and it's dealing with a, a training drill for a school shooting, right? Which, okay. you know, I think we know that schools do this. I mean, at, at your school, like, kind of briefly describe, like, if you were to have a drill, what what does it look like? What do the students have to endure, I guess? To that would be a lockdown drill at our school, and you just lock the door and close the blinds on the windows and get every child over to the corner that is adjacent to the door to where they're not in so, so I shot. So you're a good person to ask about this. You're dealing with elementary kids, um, you know, kids who are impressionable. Like, are they asking questions? Why are we doing this? Like, how's that conversation go? It's scary for the children. I mean, I teach second and third graders. So they they are they understand what is, you know, what it is like. So, I mean, even a tornado drill is scary for right. them. But they understand that this, you know, this lockdown drill could mean that there's a bad person, you know, in the hallways or something. And so, um, you know, it's hard because you try to keep them really silent. 
Um, cause we actually had one this year that was not a drill. So you try to keep them silent and, but you also try to tell them it's just a drill to calm them down. Mm-hmm. But then when you tell them it's just a drill, then, then they are not silent. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, you're wanting them to take it seriously and be quiet, but not, you know, but not scare them. And it, it's hard. It, it affects them for sure. Right. And, and that's just doing that, like locking the door, moving them to a corner. Well, this district, uh, the superintendent's actually defending the action um, that happened just before they went into the uh, summer break. But they at the school allowed a janitor to wear a mask and hold a fake gun no. and run around the campus like he was an active shooter. And that to me, and apparently the teachers didn't know that that was about to happen either. Like they were also mm-hmm. not in on the fact that this was a drill, even though it was just a drill. Um, and, and oh my god, it just th- this is I, it is important. I, I I'm going to try to look at it from the other side where someone says, you know, we need to to make these drills realistic and we need to do you know everything we can to prepare ourselves for this situation. But I still can't justify that. I think no, you're doing more harm than good in that right. situation. And I mean, I don't want to say like a school shooting is not going to happen at your school because they happen. But I feel like the likelihood of it happening at your school isn't worth the harm of having somebody wear a mask and run around with a fake gun. Right. You're causing damage, uh, you know, ahead of time. I, I do think I, I will say this. I've worked at several different schools and the this, you know, I just last year was my first year at this um, new campus. Well, they do a great job with keeping the drills a secret. Um, so, like last year, we had a drill that no one knew about. So everyone did think it was real, and and it was a lockdown drill. And they had law enforcement officers, you know, basically. So you were you were in on this? Well, like, I no, were, I didn't know that. I mean, I was no. I was saying like you were, you were you were experiencing it. Like absolutely, did you, the entire time you think like this this it's might happening. be a drill, or you well, thought, like, yeah, this because is here's the way it works. A lot of times in schools, like you'll know, like the 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 administration will say we're gonna have a drill on this morning, you know, or we're gonna have a drill on this day. Mm-hmm. Well, so when it happens, you're you're calm as the teacher because you know it's just a drill. So they did it during recess. Um, there, you know, which so that, recess is going on all day at our school. Yeah. So somebody's out there. And that's several, realistic. Like you're going to have people outside. Absolutely. Like where do they go? And so yeah. PE, I believe was outside and then the recess fields were, you know, had children on them and there were people, uh, maybe possibly coming back from lunch or snack time. Um, and so you get a bunch of teachers making glances at each other in the hall and every teacher is basically letting the other teacher know, uh, this is. I don't know anything about this, you know. So um, they wanted to time how how much it took, how long it took for everybody to get into safe place. And what about these children that are maybe on the way to the bathroom? And are we really doing that part where we stick our head out in the hallway and grab children to mm-hmm. come into our rooms? And anyway, and they had law enforcement officers on each wing that kind of walked through the halls and... um. We kind of, you know, had a joyful moment where Miss Betsy Walsh, um, she they said that she looked like a track star, like making a sprint, hmm. a, an outer sprint across the playground, like yeah. one last sweep just to check for, you know, because, I mean, she did not think that this was a drill because, right. I mean, no one did. 
So I feel like that is a good compromise. Like do something like that where it is super secret just just between you and law enforcement officers to where you do have law enforcement officers on campus because it's a drill for them too. And then you have it for the teachers, but it's secret instead of doing the whole, we're going to have a mask and a fake gun. That's just taking it a little too far. Because believe me, we were scared I mean, hey, for how I'm just curious, like how long were you scared? Like, was it 10 minutes or 15 oh, minutes? Or? Well, so my classroom is up on the hill next to the gym. So I'm separated from the school, which yeah. is so you're you last know, to find out. Yes. Yeah. And but I'm also first for um, outside danger. You know, they right. tell me that that, you know, look, you guys are the first building that they come to. You're the quickest getaway to the main road. And you're not part of the main office. So they're, you know, that's where PE, music, and art is. And so at that point, when this happened, I had, I think, like 50 children in my room because there were people in the PE gym. And so we had to take in other people into the music and art room. So, yeah, it was scary. Absolutely. Because no, I mean, you're sitting there looking around at other teachers and none of us were warned about it, but you also do see law enforcement officers. So, you know, like, okay, you know, this could be for real. This could be a disgruntled parent coming up to the school, you know, like, so anyway, it just, that was enough of a drill that was a drill that wasn't actually psychologically damaging by seeing somebody in a mask. I mean, I think that would have been... Well, not Whoa. just for the teachers, but oh for well, and there's other things like and the reporter in the story was asking, you know, someone could have driven by and and pulled out a gun to try to help. Like, right. Like, I mean, especially, you know, when you live in a, a gun carrying society, you know, mm-hmm. you just never know how somebody's going to react. Right. Um, I just think they should just, you know, like because I know that the school next door to us, we have a school that's right next door to us. It's older grades. They had a lockdown drill scheduled. And the administrator found out that some teachers knew about it. She just kind of heard them talking in the hall that morning saying, yeah, I wonder what time the drill will be. So she knew it had leaked out. So she canceled the lockdown drill and did it a whole other day. Hmm. That's what you should do to make it as real as possible. Right. Yeah. Well, long story short, the district um, now says they're going to be updating the policy. And the bottom line is there'll be no more people running around in masks carrying guns. (laughs) Good idea. So, I mean, it's one of those things where you feel like, you know, we don't have to say this out loud, so right. like, but I mean, let's all learn from this lesson and, and move on from there. Are you ready for the Bright Idea? Yes. Our guest in today's Bright Idea segment was recently featured on Chalkbeat.org for doing something that I think a lot of educators would love to do, but maybe feel intimidated by the commitment. Valerie Lovato is a first grade teacher at Denver's Eagleton Elementary, and she's known for being the teacher that tries to visit the homes of her upcoming students before the school year starts. Valerie, thank you so much for being on the show. Great. Thank you for having me. So when when I first uh, read about this, I thought this is one of those things that sounds amazing on paper, but it's really hard to pull off. What's this like for you? Yeah, um, I think it definitely can be one of those things that you may say, I'll get to it, and then it never happens. Um, so you really have to have the mo- the self-motivation to complete home visits. Um, and once you s- start, um, you don't want to stop. You just want to keep going and keep doing as many as you can. How long have you been doing this? I have been doing home visits for six years. Wow. Okay. So, yes. so you definitely are committed to doing this. <laughs> yes. So what's, what's the feedback been like? Kind of talk to me about like an awkward moment maybe that you had, and then we'll talk about some of the, the, the good moments that you've had. 
Sure. Um, definitely the, like, the most awkward part is actually getting started every year. Even though I've been doing this for a long time, that very first phone call of calling families and saying, like, I want to come to your house and I want to visit you in your home, in your space, making that first phone call. I always get butterflies, even now. Mm-hmm. I'm always nervous. Um, and that's like, but once I do that first phone call, I'm like, I'm good to go and I am used to it again. Sometimes parents they they kind of push back a little bit and they say they they don't yeah. they don't want you to come over. What do you do there? Um so we will always offer I will always offer a second location such as the park or play um McDonald's and if they say yes then we will do a home visit there and then if they say no then I kind of just drop it at that point. You then show up to somebody's house for a lot of people and who would be in your shoes as the teacher, the educator, that would be a little uncomfortable for folks. How do you, how do you get through that? Yeah. So, you know, the home visits are voluntary and I always make a phone call and set up the home visit. I never just show up at any of my students' houses. It's always a set appointment um, with the families. That's the first part, right? Is that they know I'm coming and then the second part, what they've trained us is check your biases at the door. And so really just, you know, putting myself in parents' shoes when it's time for them to come to the school for a home uh, parent-teacher conference or for an official meeting at the school, they may be very nervous or they may not be comfortable. And so I just need to kind of put myself in their shoes and say, I'm coming into their environment and it's okay for me to be a little nervous and I'm really just there to build community and not to judge the family or their environment. Can you give me a specific example of where you feel like you really, this really paid off. You connected with somebody. Um, There was a a set of twins that I had that really um, had a lot on their individual education plan. And I really needed to make good growth with them. Um, and so I started out with one home visit at the beginning of the year to get to know them. And then um, throughout the year, I was noticing different things that they needed. And it was a lot easier to call mom and bring her in. And we had made that connection. And she felt like she could tell me um, things at home that she needed to change, like some of their eating habits and some of their sleeping habits, you know, turning the TV off eating healthy that would help them off better off in school. And so we were able to communicate that together and she felt comfortable telling me that she was struggling with bedtime and, you know, and I was able to get her some resources to get the boys to go to sleep earlier. And then, um, because of that, they did end up making great gains within school and have done been really successful throughout the rest of their years. How hard has it been to stay true to this and, and to really be able to follow through? You know, and it happens. Um, actually, last year, I didn't get to do as many home visits because I had some personal um, issues come up and I needed to take care of things at my home. And so I really did not have the time to do it. Um, and our school feels that that's okay, that teachers need to do home visits as they see fit or that they have time to do. And the idea is you try to see as many families as possible and you don't discriminate against who you're seeing. So, for example, I will not go and only see my English-speaking only families, Um, my families that require a translator. I will attempt to see them as well, you know. And I don't only see families with I with students with who have IEPs. I try to see as many people as possible. And if you don't, 
that's okay. We understand. You try to do as many as you can. So, so is this a requirement for your entire school? No, it is not a requirement. But it is something, I guess, that's encouraged. Do you, do you find a lot of your yep. colleagues in the school do this? Yes, it's very encouraged. Um, a lot of people do um, home visits. Um, we just had a home visit day on Saturday where a lot of us met at our school here at Eagleton. We scheduled as many visits as we could for Saturday, and we had coffee and donuts together, and then we all went out and did our home visits on our own. Um, I personally did five home visits on Saturday. One of my colleagues did six. Another one did six or seven as well. So so you said you've been doing this for six years. If, if you don't mind mm-hmm. me asking, how many years have you not been doing this, like before that? So have you had time to see the, the difference? Yeah, so I only um, I only had two years of teaching experience before this program was brought um, in, and when we finally like implemented and started doing it, and then um, I've been doing it ever since. And last year, like I said, I didn't get to do um, really any. Maybe I did a couple, um, and I do see a difference definitely with um, students who require a little bit more behavior modification <laughs> um, within the classroom. We make me and that child usually make a better connection. Me and the family and the parents have a good connection. And so when something comes up behavior related, it's a lot easier to bring that family in for a discussion. Um, whereas last year, if there were issues, I didn't feel that connection with parents. And it felt like I was always either targeting them or that I didn't um, really care or listen, which wasn't true, but it, you just got that feeling. Yeah, you know, I, I guess it makes a big difference just to be able to shake somebody's hand and, and have a, a face with a name and, and not just mm-hmm. rely on that that one parent-teacher night where you kind of just see the teacher from afar. And those come so late in the school year. We don't do ours until the first or second week of November. By then, a lot of schooling has happened. And, you know, it's hard to say like, well, back in October, you know, your kid was doing this. um, And it's the first time I've met that parent. And then those parent-teacher conferences are really short. I don't have good quality time. I have maybe between 10 and 15 minutes to get in everything business-wise that I need to. Our home visits last between 30 and 40 minutes. When you do the home visit, where do you find the kids are in the house at the time that you're there? For almost 100% of the time, I mean, I think I've had maybe two or three in all the years I've done this that the kids weren't there. But the kids are there. They are sometimes waiting out in the front yard for me to get there. They're so excited to see me. Um, They're jumping around the living room or um, they're right there at the door answering the door and so excited to see me walking up to their house. So if, if there's some teachers listening to this right now, what would you tell them if they are apprehensive about trying to follow through with this? I would say um, that You know, I think teachers, if they have been teaching for a while, they know that home visits happen when something bad is going on, like attendance issues, you know, psychologists or social workers or counselors might make home visits because the kids aren't coming to school. And I think it's really valuable to turn that around and say, what can I do as a teacher to make a positive home visit? Just like we make positive phone calls home. So many times I find myself calling on all the bad stuff that's happening. Not that there's not much, but for the most part, you know, it's always complaining about something bad. And so turn it around and say, what is something positive I could do to build this relationship with our kids and their families? And then to know that 
by you taking that first step of going to their home first, you now have basically hooked them in because you said, you know, I made the first step. I'm coming to see you. So now when it's time for that business side of school, like parent-teacher conferences, um, they will be hopefully more willing to come to the school. They won't be as apprehensive. Well, it, it sounds like an incredible program. And, and really, yeah. you know, I mean, communication with parents and teachers is so important. I think there's plenty of data to, to back that up. Uh, totally. So, Valerie Lovato, we really appreciate you uh, <laughs> uh, just kind of sharing that message with us. Are you ready for our pop quiz? Yes, let's go. <laughs> All right. First question. If students could only go to school for one subject, which subject should it be? Reading. Without reading, you can't do anything else. What are we not teaching in school that we should be teaching? Um, social emotional um, problem solving, how to talk to people, how to solve problems. What does every child deserve? An education. What's the biggest challenge for today's educators? I guess it would be the kind of the fate of education. Just it doesn't seem to be people's top priority anymore, even though that's what we all need to become successful in our own jobs. So I think that's the biggest fear is that people don't take it seriously enough. They don't take teachers seriously. What's the best gift to give an educator? The best gift. Time. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> what career path would you take if you couldn't be in education? A wedding planner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. You, yeah. You have that, good, that high energy social vibe going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what teacher changed your life? Oh, man, there's a lot. Let's see. Um, I'm going to have to say my seventh and eighth grade Spanish teacher, Mrs. Worley. Um, she just kept um, kept me interested in learning Spanish as my second language, kept me involved. She was a lot of fun. She had a lot of energy as well. And she came to my going away party when I studied abroad in Spain. I was already in college, a junior in college. And she was my seventh and eighth grade Spanish teacher. And my mom tracked her down and found her. And she came to my my Bon Voyage party That's to really Europe. Cool. That's neat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you buy your school lunch or bring your own? I bring my own lunch. And last question, pen or pencil? Pen all the way. <laughs> all right. Again, <laughs> Valerie Lovato, we appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and, and hopefully uh, you'll encourage some other teachers around the country to uh, start home visits. I sure hope so. Thank you so much for having me. That's going to do it for this episode of Class Dismissed. We want to hear from you, so if you want to send us an idea or a comment, remember you can always email us at info at classdismissedpodcast.com. We're here to support educators, but we need your support as well. So if you like what you heard today, please be sure and hit that subscribe button, and we'd also love it if you'd leave us a five-star review. Don't forget you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash classdismissedpodcast or on Twitter. Just search for us by typing in Class Dismiss. On behalf of Russ with School Status and Lissa representing all the teachers out there, I'm Nick Ortega. And I'll talk with you next week. Class dismissed.